podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Cheryl Smith writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. And it's gone. Welcome on, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And what a happy episode do we have here. It's all fun and roses, guns and roses, beauty and roses, whatever you want to call it in roses. Because the Texas Tech Red Raiders went out Saturday and put out a butt whooping. All right. They, an absolute shellacking of the West Virginia Mountaineers. And to... Join in the good times and to have fun on this episode. I got my right hand man, the producer extraordinaire that is Dylan Smythe. What's up, Dill? I'm trying to remember the last time a Texas Tech team just really took care of business against a conference opponent. Just really, you know, like there, there was the game was almost never in question. Just really put it on him. Uh, it was good to see the Red Raiders, like I said, just take care of business. Yeah, I mean, so coming into the game, on the preview pod, me and Jeremy were talking about this game, and Jeremy actually predicted a comfortable win. He didn't predict uh, a 38-point blowout, but he did predict a nice, comfortable win in this game. I said it would be close because, you know, for me, we have two conference – or we have not two conference wins, but we have two um, D1 FBS wins on our schedule, and both of them run overtime – both of them were close games, and I just didn't think this team was gonna was capable of winning games comfortably. And boy, was I wrong! This team not only won this game comfortably. I mean, halfway through the third quarter, fans were leaving in droves, but not because of disappointment, because they were like, "All right, game's over. Let's try to beat the line at Chimmy's real quick." And it was one of those things where it's like, I mean, yeah, sure, we'd love the fans to stay, but you don't need to when you're up four touchdowns and and it's let the good times roll down Broadway. When both teams have their backup quarterback in, I think it's safe to say it's over. It was, I mean, yeah, West Virginia actually waved the white towel or white flag in the fourth quarter. They were like, Garrett Green, get in there, buddy. <laughs> See what you can do. And the answer was not much. Not much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, an absolute beatdown. I think the last beatdown that I can think of um, – and, it was, and actually, this was a bigger beatdown was the ball game right over Mississippi State. That was a, a pretty dominant win by Texas Tech in the bowl game. Um, we don't really have, I mean, I guess Kansas, like non-Kansas games. We beat Kansas pretty well last year. But, but like, other than that, we haven't really had a dominant win over a FBS non-Kansas opponent like this in a while, right? It, it, it's, it was refreshing to see. Baron Morton is him. We're in the bear raid. We are in the bear raid. Let's talk about him at quarterback, Dylan. What'd you like from him? Yeah, again, um, the, this team plays with a different rhythm when he's at quarterback. The the tempo, the tempo at which they play with with Baron Warden is impressive. It's really fast. Um, not only is it really fast, it's really effective. You saw West Virginia players in the first quarter going down with what looked like cramps or hey, we need to slow down uh, cramps. So the tempo really bugged West Virginia, and uh, I thought I, I still feel like this offensive line just plays better with the tempo and with Baron Morton under center. Um, but yeah, the kid looked good, man. You're, I think I'm in. He, he's the future. He's it. Let him ride it out. He's it. He's it. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm all in for Baron Morton. 
28 for 45, 325 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he, he played spectacular, but I do agree with you on the tempo because I think the O-line played better when the tempo was faster. The run game was more there. Welcome back, Todd Brooks. 17 carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns. He was back in a big way in this game. They were also, I think the O-line did a really good job of opening up holes in between. It wasn't, you know, we, we're now starting to get more of the run game of what I think the coach staff wanted, which is that thunder and lightning. Todd Brooks between the tackle, Roger Thompson to the edges, and that really worked in this game, um, and it helped open up the the entire offensive attack for Barrett Morton to sling it. Not only that, uh, the run game, you know, go back to the run game for a second. You saw us moving tackles and pulling guards that you hadn't really seen us do a lot this season. Um, the counter runs worked really well in this game. So I really liked how they schemed up the run plays and you mentioned it. Uh, Taj Brooks was back in this game and then Sir Roderick ripped off a really awesome touchdown run where I think he broke three tackles. So the run, the run <laughs> game was moving. All off the stiffy. Nice yeah. little stiff arms to the face. I've never been stiff armed. Um, that seems so demoralizing. <laughs> to be, be stiff armed. Like, that's got to be tough. I, there was uh, one of our teammates when I played. He got stiff armed. We laughed about it for a good week in film. It was fantastic. But me, I, I don't even know what it's like to be stiff armed. Thank God I've gone this long without being stiff armed because it seems terrible. Um, it's probably did to three guys on one run. Uh, absolutely amazing. So going back to Baron Morton and, and the play and the way he was able to play in this game, a lot of good strikes and never felt like we were out of it when he had the ball and made a lot of good decisions. He had a couple, again, he's young, so he had a couple mistakes there when he didn't need to, but never the big mistake. Remember that big mistake he had at the end of the Oklahoma State game? Didn't have it in this game. And when you don't have the big mistake, it just makes us that much more dangerous. I will say he was very close to making some mistakes early. I think he he threw an interception that pretty much hit a corner in the hands that they dropped. Um, and then I think he Almost fumbled, a couple, a almost couple, fumbled the ball once or fumbles. twice. Yeah, so yeah. He, he was bailed out early, but a- after that, um, he he really he took he took care of the ball, and I'm with you. Like he yeah, he didn't turn the ball over in the end. That's what counts, and he he made some big throws. Yeah, I think the only thing he needs to work on now is just showing up, getting that accuracy a little bit more for him, showing up a little bit, a, lo- a couple overthrows he had in the game. But now we're just being nitpicky, right? Yeah. And it's great to like be nitpicky about a, co- a quarterback, right? As much as we love Donovan Smith before, there were things to critique. There were things to look at and say, okay, we need Donovan to do this, we need him to do this. With Baron, we're like, okay, just try to try to hold on to the ball a little bit tighter, you know? <laughs> try to if be a little could, bit more accurate yeah, than you already are. If you could are. be even more accurate, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, right. And when you can be nitpicky like this, that's just that's just icing on the cake. So going back to some of the skill players, we talked about the running game. What about the receivers? I thought the receivers played really well in this game. Hello, Xavier White. He has been refreshing to see in Miles Price's absence. He had eight catches for 139 yards and a touchdown in this game. What other uh, skill players did you like here? Well, yeah, you mentioned Xavier White once again, just just absolutely dominant. Ripped off a fifty five yard touchdown run that was sweet. He caught it kind of you know on the outside and, and just started running and made it all the way. Uh, we saw a Loic Fungi appearance, getting a touchdown grab late. Uh, we saw Mason Tharp just dragging dudes, dragging them. Oh, dude, that was a great play. <laughs> like it was, it's oh man, he dragged three guys for like nine yards. It's incredible. Mason Tharp had NFL scouts salivating. I saw a couple of NFL draft guys on Twitter that it was like Mason Tharp, 6'9", dragging five defenders to the to the goal line. Um, and also, shout out to Brady Boyd. First touchdown of his career. 
Yeah, and and then we we mentioned him a few times this year. Nehemiah Martinez just continues to be pretty consistent, consistently good for this receiving core. Like Nehemiah Martinez came coming out of nowhere, just being a staple in this offense. So we're talking about the offense and how great they were. We're gonna switch off and give more shout outs to the defense. And first off, before we even get to more of the defense like this. This is a take four defense, apparently. Four turnovers in this game. This is a turnover differential. They talked about it in the broadcast, and we've made mention of it before. We're the worst in the Big 12 when it comes to turnover differential. We have not done a good job of getting interceptions or fumbles in this game. Guess what? We got both. Three interceptions, a fumble recovery in this game against a guy in the JT Daniels that doesn't turn the ball over. I know a lot of Texas Tech fans are looking back and saying, oh, well, JT Daniels must be awful. He only had... Three interceptions on the year going into this game. And he had three in this game alone, right? Like he was, you got three interceptions off a guy that's usually pretty good at taking care of the ball. Not only that, I think going into this game, the unit that probably worried me the most about West Virginia was their wide receivers. I mean, Bryce Ford Whedon is that dude. Uh, They got a couple other really solid receivers on this team. Sam James cooks us every year. Um, Prather's a big receiver. So I was I was worried about that unit going into this game and to see the the secondary get three interceptions and you know almost two of them were just ripped away from those receivers. Yeah, that uh, the rabbit interception he had in the because they were going to score right. They were going to score at least something, whether it was a field goal touchdown. They were going to score right before the halftime, and for him to pluck that out of the air, great great interception. The Rashad Williams interception, I think it's the other one you were talking about. The Rashad Williams interception where he's on the sideline gets that one foot toe tap in there as well, right? Like both very good, very incredible interceptions. Um, and it was almost like they were showing off a bit. And then not only that, you're talking about holding some of the West Virginia guys. The big bad wolf on West Virginia's offense is Tony Mathis. He's the guy that went off crazy against Baylor, over 200 yards against Baylor. Texas held him to 33 total yards, held the entire offense, or the entire rushing game, to only 73 yards total. Incredible game by the defensive front seven. Yeah, and it's funny. You, you kind of go down the box score, and usually it's like Christian Merriweather just made a boatload of tackles, but it's it was pretty even. A lot of guys contributed. We, we saw depth at linebacker we hadn't seen before. We saw Jacob Rodriguez playing. We saw Tyreek Matthews force a fumble, I believe. So we saw a lot of guys contribute on defense. So actually, Jacob Martinez forced that fumble. Tyreek Matthews recovered it. But that just shows you like that that depth at linebacker was definitely there. Kosai Eldridge had a very good game in this one. But you're right. Like we, we in the preview pod, we talked about the. We, I, I predicted Tyree Wilson would have two sacks. Um, he had uh, he got close to JT Daniels so many different times, uh, but he only had one sack on the game. Um, but it was just the pressure that JT that was able to go on JT. Right? We only had that one sack, but we had a lot of pressure up the front and holding Tony Matthews really made them very one dimensional. Once they're one dimensional, our secondary, which is. I've said it. I think the best secondary we've seen since 09 is got to eat. And, and they got to do their part. And they, really, that seems to be the game plan. If you make a team one-dimensional or you hold a running game, you put pressure up front to the quarterback, you let your very talented secondary go to town. And that's what they were able to do. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we've gotten to some conversations about long-season projections, but obviously if you can do that every week, you've got a great chance to win a game. Plus, it doesn't hurt to have four turnovers and go six or seven on fourth down in the first half. Those, those are nice, too. 
Yeah, so let's talk about fourth downs. I do want to talk about fourth downs. So in this, so Texas Tech is now there are articles now being read about, written about this team and the Mad Hatter Joey McGuire. I'm, I'm calling him the Mad Hatter from now on. That's what he is. He is the fourth down king, the man who never punts or punts only occasion, only rarely. Um, I didn't have a problem with any of the fourth downs he won for this game, uh, but I, I will say this, and I wanted to mention this on the podcast. I, what Joey McGuire has become is he doesn't make these fourth down decisions at the time. Like he doesn't say like, okay, well it's fourth down. What do I do here? They have a game plan from the very beginning of we have four downs every time. Most teams go in and say, okay, we have three downs, right? First down, we have this play. Second down, we want to put in favorable third down positions. What our team does is we want to put ourselves in favorable fourth down positions. So on a third and nine, instead of going all out for nine yards on that third down, they say, you know what? If we can get five or six yards to get us to a fourth and three, we're going to go for it. And so what ends up happening is, as you see here, where our fourth down efficiency is fantastic. We went six for seven against West Virginia um, in the game. And you're like, wow, man, that's that's incredible. But what you don't really recognize is a lot of those fourth downs were fourth and four, fourth and two, fourth and one, fourth and three, fourth. So you don't have these fourth and long situations. If it's a fourth and seven, maybe Joy question, thinks a little bit longer and harder about that fourth down decision. But when you're fourth and one on the 35, hell yeah, I'm going to go for it. He doesn't think twice about it. And it's actually the right way to go about things. That's how you do it in Madden. That's how you do it in NCAA, right? That's the right way to go about things of saying, you know what, we're fourth and two. On the 28-yard line, why wouldn't we go for this? Analytics say you should go for it, right? And just for when you have a, a, a mind like that to think of, if we're going to go for fourth and two more times than not, we're going to get it. We're going to have plays set up to make sure we get it. And shout-out to Zach Kelly, shout-out to Joey McGuire for having this mindset, having this thought, because I really think going for having this mentality is the difference, especially in that first half when the game was closer. We only up 17-3 to in the first half when the game was closer. Having that fourth down mentality, Mentality was the difference between being seventeen to three, or seven. The difference between the game being seventeen to three and the game being just seven to three or ten to three. Yeah, I, I had no issues with um, with his fourth down calls in this game. Um, it was fun. I was watching the game with my dad, and he hadn't really watched us play this year, and he, he noticed, you know, in the first two drives, I think we went for it four or five times, maybe. And he was like, "Are they going to go for it here?" And immediately, you know, I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to go for it. <laughs> yep. Are they going for it again? Yep. <laughs> yep, we're, it's, we're going for it. it, it it's a little contagious. And so here's the thing. It's a little contagious because Neil Brown was like, oh, well, I guess I should I should probably go for it too. And here's the thing. Neil Brown was one for two, right, going for it. And maybe he should have done it more. And when you when you are that efficient on, on fourth downs, so you look at our third down efficiency of the game, you're only nine for 20, right? Less than 50% on third downs. But guess what? If you combine those two, like I don't care that we're nine for 20 when really combined third down and fourth down, we had – 27 third downs, and we ended up going con- um, converting 15 of those. 15 for 27. That percentage isn't too bad. Yeah, well, it isn't too shabby. And that right? percentage is skewed, right? Because, like you had mentioned, we're not necessarily trying to pick up the first down on third down. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so actually, that's a great point. So, really, it's 15 for 20. Yeah. So, 20 times on, we had the opportunity to get that first down. Yeah. On a convert, we converted it 15 times. So, that, like, that's, that is the correct way to think about it. That's the correct way to go for it. And so, um, 
And with that mindset, you really opens up your third down. When the opposing team is only looking for things past a certain point, you're able to do those under undercuts so many times. So, so many times, a tight end's coming across the middle and getting that five-yard gain because he's like, ain't no problem. We're yeah. just going to get it next time. Yeah. Um, it opens the playbook and, up and a so, lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I, and I love it. I love, I love it to a point. <laughs> I love it to a I point. I love it, and that point is usually like my 30-yard line. <laughs> exactly. Like on a, that's the only time I really cringe is on our on our third on our side of the field. But I'll tell you this, Dylan, a fourth and one on our forty five. Okay, I'm down. Like I I it, it's catching on. A fourth and one. Good. I just a fourth and five on our thirty. Come on, bro. Let's let's chill out a little bit. Uh, but hey, Joey's the Mad Hatter, and you you ride with them, you live with them, you die with them, and I'm I'm willing to live with them. You're drinking Joey's Kool Aid, man. I, I am a little bit like this 48 to 10 win was hell impressive. Yeah. I mean, like, there's really no way around that. We did talk about a pre pod. This West Virginia team stinks. It's one of, if not the worst team in the big 12, but to, to put them away like we did and just not even give them a chance is really refreshing. Because, I mean, I, I'll say this. So West Virginia, we were talking about this pre pod. West Virginia might be the worst team in the conference. Maybe. Like Iowa State's still there, so and then we, I mean, Kansas with uh, without Jalen Daniels is also still there, um, but we haven't like we, we we beat normal Kansas teams like this, and that's it. That's the only team in the conference we're able to do that with this I, this West Virginia team in any other year that's not coached by Joe McGuire. It's a closer game. Do we win? Probably still, but it's a closer game, right? And so I think beating down a team like this, a team you're supposed to beat, a team you're supposed to like beat down in this way, this manner, is impressive and it's something to, to mark on. And we've, you know, we talked about it during the bye week. I know a lot of other teams and a lot of other uh, fans have talked about like just how good the schedule opens up. It really does. I mean, TCU's for real. They're legit. I've been doubting them all season. After back-to-back wins against Oklahoma State and now Kansas State, I can't deny them no longer. They're a legitly very good team. Um, outside of TCU, like I was telling you, Prepod, I thought West Virginia was might have been a little scary because they beat Baylor before. Now I'm looking at Baylor like, hmm, you, they might be kind of mid- Oklahoma already proved that they were mid before, right? And then we have Kansas with Jason Bean. Like, there's is an eight win team possible when you watch the Texas Tech team the way they beat West Virginia. You got to start thinking maybe. Well, and also we, maybe we were so. talking about Iowa State too pre pod. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, that was a, that was like quite the toss up. It's like Iowa State they have our number, but now it's like Iowa State stinks. <laughs> yeah. So it's any hey anything like Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. What else did he say? He was trying to say some word on television. It was hilarious. Okay, here we go. Kinda like name an NFL equivalent for each NBA player. I don't. I don't. I don't subscribe to. I don't subscribe to Kevin Garnett's way of thinking. (laughs) Okay, I don't don't, don't exactly know, Um, but. uh, you know, but I will say Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett is a really well-dressed man, and I'm sure he shops at Homefield Apparel. Uh, Homefield Apparel is some of the best swag that you can get 
on the internet uh, for any of the Big 12 schools right now. I think they have all 10 Big 12 schools on there now. Uh, but the best the best school that's on there is, of course, your Red Raiders. A lot of good Texas Tech swag on there. We can get you swagged up by getting using our promo code TAKES12, that's T-A-K-E-S-1-2, to get 15% off that first order. Um, and, you know, get you a tortilla toss shirt. Get you the Raider Red in the front with the two guns and the basketball in the background. Get you and get you a, it's getting colder now. Get you a nice little pullover. Get you the hoodie. Get all that using our promo code. That's takes 12 to get that 15% off. Um, so Dylan, you know, so this game, we, we, we talked about all the stars of the game. Um, but let's talk about the emotion of the game itself. We're going to, we've kind of had this episode backwards and we usually do it, but let's talk about the emotion of the game itself. So the game, Texas Tech, first two drives, two touchdowns uh, in the first quarter. It was great. 14-0. We're, we're pumping. West Virginia slows us down a little bit in the second quarter. And all we do is trade field goals, trade punts, trade turnovers on downs. How are you feeling after the first first half when we were only up 17-3? to uh, I want to visit one moment in the first half. I wanted to talk about this on the podcast. Uh, Texas, we're up 14 to zero and West Virginia is attempting a field goal. Uh, West Virginia makes this field goal and Casey Legg drops to the ground. Drops to the <laughs> ground. It starts holding the opposite knee of which he fell or was maybe slightly hit. And uh, yeah, just went for his best Oscar nomination. He popped up like seven seconds later like, oh, no flag. All right. I'll see y'all later. Anyways, um, aside from that field goal, uh, the defense the defense held up very well in the first half. Um, th- we mentioned Adrian Taylor getting that pick going into halftime was the the biggest boost of all. I was already pretty confident. I felt good. I thought maybe we could hold them to a field goal. And then to see Rabbit make that interception, I was feeling really good going into halftime. So I think that that interception is the difference between it being a close game and it being the blowout that it was because so for West Virginia had three really good drives in the first half. They didn't, they really didn't mimic that in the second half at all. I mean, they had that nice touchdown that was really uh, mostly Bryce Ford Wheaton having just a great play down the field. And then also CJ Donaldson with that 50 yard run. Uh, but really that, that drive, that touchdown in the second half, that's a couple good plays. They had three really good drives, full drives in the first half. Of those three drives, you had that first field goal with the terrible acting job by Casey Legg. Uh, that was really good defense holding to the field goal. You had the 11 play uh, turnover on downs that where we had the huge sack on JT Daniels right after they did the same thing to us um, right before. Uh, and then you had that interception. And, and I think if you're West Virginia, you're going to halftime, and you're thinking, man, we just put out three drives of seven plays and more, and all we got after that half is just three points? Like, that's it. Those are the three best drives we could put together, and all we did was get three points. We didn't even – the closest they got that whole time was to the 24, right? Or, or sorry, they got to the 20 with, with Casey Legg's weirdness. Um, that's it. And so if you're West Virginia, you go to the red zone one time, that's the best you can do. You only have three points. That's pretty demoralizing. And and, and not to mention, you get the ball back after halftime, and boom, it's, it's back in with another interception. And, and that, to me, the game's really over at that point, right? It didn't help that that's when, that's, that's when you had the uh, Xavier White touchdown right after. But the game, at that point, Stick a fork in them, they're done. You had three great three great drives that only end in three points total. You have the interception to, to end the first half, interception to start the second half, and then a 55-yard touchdown. 
game's over. And at that point, those are those, that's, you know, we've talked about a lot of times the past three years, stacking victories, right? Stacking victories, stacking victories. A lot of times we're talking about stacking wins. This is stacking good quality play, backbreakers. And that's what happened right, right from that touchdown on. From 24 to 3 on, the game felt over. And from everybody included. It felt over on the, on the Texas Tech side, felt over from our fans. And it really, you could tell, even after, they had a touchdown, right? Even after that Bryce Four Whedon touchdown, uh, where it was thirty-one to ten, he was not happy. He was not excited. Nobody celebrated because it felt over. The game seemed over halfway through the third quarter at that moment. Yeah. So going into halftime, you look at it, it was you know seventeen to three. But if we didn't get that interception, it could easily have been a one possession game. You know, a seven point game going into halftime. And then let's say you don't get that interception at the beginning of the third quarter. It's 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 a tie ball game. It very easily could have been a tie ball game. So the the timeliness of those of those turnovers were perfect. Like not only do we take three, take four, but the time in which they happened was was awesome. Yeah, no, they're they're absolutely necessary, and that's how you go from a close game in the second quarter to a blowout just ten game minutes later. Like that's what that's really what it felt like. So overall, and then of course, second half, Texas Tech goes crazy, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Donovan Smith gets in the game, he gets on the fun. I'm really happy that he was able to score a touchdown at the end of the game too. Bryson Donnell, yo, welcome to the show, young gun. Um, he had a great high school tape. When I was when he was coming out, so I was excited to see what he could do, and he he showed up and showed out, averaging six yards a carry on his own his own right there in garbage time. Uh, but really happy for for both of them, for Donnell and for Donovan Smith getting that touchdown pass. Um, but this is yeah, man, you're you're absolutely right. You said at the beginning, Baron Morton, we're we're in the bear raid. He's the future. He's the guy. He's the quarterback. This is starting to feel a lot like. Uh, no, nah, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it yet. Never mind. I was going to say something pretty, pretty big. You already kind of have said yet. this before. Oh, you've mentioned no, we've been in the same predicament. No, you have. Okay, you have it. Are but, you talking about? Are you talking? Are, are you talking about the end of the 2014 season? No. All right, that's what I was going. Okay, I was going. It feels a little. It feels a little bit like the end of 2014 season. Uh, oh yeah, I might be. Yeah. I might be getting a little. That is what I was thinking. Of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might be getting a little too ahead of myself. If you don't know what the end of 2014 season is, just look it up. I'm not going to go any anymore. Just know I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. But two games in, hella impressive for the Bear Raid. Um, looking forward a little bit, we are going to have our preview episode coming up. Uh, Texas Tech blackout just announced. We're, we're recording this Sunday evening. Um, we are having a blackout against the Baylor Bears. Prime time, baby. We we have the nighttime game, national televised, ESPN two. That's gonna be a lot of fun against a Baylor team. I predicted Baylor to win the conference. They're not gonna win the conference. They're just not that. They're not that team. Uh, last this last Saturday, they were up big against the Kansas team led by Jason Bean, and they let Kansas. They were up twenty eight to three. Let Kansas come all the way back to where they were only up twenty eight to three late in that game. Uh, I don't think Texas Tech gives them that same satisfaction. And that was in Waco. So it'll be interesting to see. This is a winnable game here. I'm not saying this is a Texas Tech team that's undefeated. Winnable game against Baylor. Uh, a good Baylor team, but a beatable Baylor team, as as three teams have already shown, BYU, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia already shown them as well. So we will see what they can do here. The only Actually, the only road game Baylor has won all year is at Iowa State and only beat them by a touchdown. So something to think about going forward. Also, Texas Tech basketball. It's coming. 
It's almost November. Both the uh, we had Big Twelve Media Day, and that was Big Twelve Media Day came up. We do have some quotes from that media day that'll be fun with Mark Adams with everybody there. Um, so both the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team will have episodes for both here starting at the end of football season. So that's a lot of fun. Dylan, anything else you want to say to the people? Uh, well, I actually, I just kind of want to know more about uh, you going to media day. I think you, did you got in there or what? What happened? Because I know you talked about no, it. I you got questions. You asked if we had questions. I got yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get to go to media day. I thought about it. It was my daughter's birthday, okay. um, so I did not get to go to media day. We do. That's why. That's why we're great. We're part of the ten twelve network. We got ten twelve mm. guys to. At, we were able to ask questions for our ten twelve guys. To we go sent in there a proxy. And, um, we did set a proxy. A fill in. Shout out to Andy Mitz and Philip Slavin um, that were able to fill in for us uh, since I was not able to go to Kansas City. I wanted to. I wanted to, but you know, kids. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time. Texas Tech was actually preseason ranking. We were 25th in the country. So that's our initial preseason rank on the men's side. Uh, the women's side, I think the women's side will actually be better than projected. I think we'll be better than projected. Still, still in the rebuild. But I think this will be the last year of the rebuild. And so we'll be on the up. Moving so, on up. Um, move, moving on up indeed. So, uh, And Texas Tech football is already moving up. I mean, it's it's already impressive. Four and three. Obviously, it would be a four and eight on the season. So one more win, and my prediction is deaded. Um, but this is actually – look, the team looks good. I can't I can't deny it. So for Bruce Extraordinaire, that is Dylan Smythe. You, this is Albie Short. You have been listening to Tortillas and Takes Podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the official podcast for Ray Raider Sports. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.